Well, we're excited to have with us our special, 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 special guest speaker <laughs> who's going to warm our hearts. Let's welcome Terry McFadden Solomon. And her lovely husband, Charles. Bless the people, darling. Bless the people. Amen. It's so good to see you again. I see we have some people on vacation this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's summertime, boy, I'll tell you. But it is just good, good, good to be here. God is good, isn't he? You know, um, I was just, sometimes, I was just in my office, you know, and Charles was sleeping, the house was quiet. And um, sometimes it just hits me like a, like out of the blue how good God is, you know? We take so much for granted in terms of the goodness of the Lord. You know, if you just have a small place to live, you know, and, and you know your sister-in-law has a big place, you know, and you have a little place, you know, and you've been nagging your husband about painting the walls, you know, and when are we gonna get rid of that raggedy couch, you know? And, you know, the different things, and then it just hits you. I mean, for me, just hits me. Do you know that I am not fighting with my husband? He's not running around mishandling our little finances. You know, I mean, when you just think about the peace of God, if you, have, if you live in a house where there is peace, where you like, you know, pull up from work and just say, I hate to go even go inside. I mean, I, nobody knows that. You know, nobody knows that feeling. Are you, hello? Anybody home? Or am I living on another planet, okay? But you know, there's so many things that can disturb your life that have nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with anything, you know? And sometimes if you just walk around, you know, so many of you in here, you have been pain-free all your life and you've never given thanks because you don't know what it's like to be in pain, okay? To have a back that hurts all the time, you know, or have migraine headaches or chest pain or whatnot, just to be pain-free. You should just, sometimes you should just think about that and say, you know what, my friends are on 20 different medications, you know, and once in a while I might take a Tylenol, you know, or an indigestion pill or something like that. God is good, and just stop and thank him. Just thank him. Thank him for those rides down the freeway, you know, where nobody's crashing into you, okay? I am so serious. You know, God is so good. And we, you know, I think sometimes, Lord, you need to just send some of us for a weekend in Iraq, you know what I'm saying, or Syria, or, you know, somewhere, you know, where there is such an absence of peace. There is such an absence of the presence and the love of God that, you know, you come back to your little place in California and say, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. So I just really, really want to encourage you to really, really, really have an attitude of gratitude about the smallest things in your life, you know, the things that you don't even think about, 
anymore, you know, because you just take God for granted. You know, we are a God, uh, we just take God for granted concerning so much, you know, the food that we throw at. I had a friend when I was in uh, South Africa, and he was talking about his experience, his visit to the United States of America. And he said, yeah, I went to California one time. He said, I went to, the, came to the Fred Price Conference in California, you know. And uh, he said, and a gentleman, and, and this guy lived in an a, a area called Dudusa, which is South Africa near Johannesburg. And uh, a little small, comfortable house. But he said he um, came to California. He said, the guy says, oh, he says, we're going to give my wife a birthday party. He said, and we want you to come over, you know. And he said, so he came over. So he said, when he walked into the house, he said, there on the table was enough roast beef to fill, feed his village, okay? Fried chicken, baked chicken, whole salmon, you know? And he said, when I walked in, I said to myself, my God, they must have invited, you know, hundreds of people, you know, all of this food. He said, he said about 20 people came in, fixed the plate, left most of the food on the plate, and just went out on the patio and started talking. He said, my heart was pounding in my chest. Like, what are they going to, he said, then they just start throwing it away. He said, I wanted to get up and scream. Do you know what you're doing? Do you realize what you're doing? You're throwing away food? And so we have come to the place of just taking so much for granted. You know, and I, I, I know that, that some of you really, and I'm really serious about this, you need to repent for taking your wife for granted. You need to repent when you take your husband for granted. I repent, Charles. I'm sorry. I took you for granted this morning. I know you stayed in the shower too long, and I got upset, but I repent. But we need to repent. No, I'm serious. You know, the way we treat our sisters and brothers, you know, and family members and whatnot, we just get so irritated about nothing, you know? And, you know, we're like Mrs. Grouch and Mr. Grouch, okay? But, you know, we need to really, really, and I tell you, the only thing that's going to really bring you to that place of really understanding the goodness of God, how good he is, you got to get close to him. Because, see, the world will dull your vision. I mean, it, the world is so dark, it'll try to keep you from seeing the goodness of God and appreciating what you have and appreciating what God is doing for you, appreciating, you know, that he's keeping your children and your grandchildren safe, you know, and even in their foolish actions, you know, in their immature ways, you know, but yet, and you know, they, some of them, you know, been dangling on the edge of the cliff and you don't even know about it and God just kept them, you know, by his mercy and his grace, you know. And so I, when we get close enough to God, we begin to see the miracles that he has wrought in our life. Because I'm telling you, you know what? There's a psalm that says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, and ain't nobody in here happy but me, Pastor Chuck. Am I the only one who can say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, tell me, where would I be? I don't know where you would be, but I know where I would be. I'm sure I'd be sleeping in the grave or in a mental hospital. I am, and I'm not saying that as an exaggeration. I'm saying that based on the lifestyle that I was living, 
before God found me and saved me. And I'm just grateful this morning. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord, with a grateful heart. So grateful, Lord, for my salvation, Lord. So grateful, Lord, for those pe the people here, Lord, that you saved, that you pulled out of the pits, Father, of, of this world, Father, and redeemed them and restored, Father. And you are yet restoring, Father. You are yet renewing, Father. You are yet regenerating, because your word says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, that old things will pass away, and behold, everything will become new. So I thank you, Lord, for restoration. I thank you for grace, Father. I thank you for grace, Father, that, that you do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you for your mercy, Father. We thank you for your mercy, Father. Your mercy, Father, for just giving us, cutting us a break, Father, when we know we should have been judged and punished and condemned, Father. But your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord, for deliverance, Father, from alcohol, from drugs, Father, from all kind of insane depression, Father, sickness, Father, broken relationship. Father, you're a great deliverer. You're a great deliverer. You're a great deliverer. And we love you, Lord. We kiss your face this morning, Father. We bow before you in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Won't you turn with me to Matthew 6, the sixth chapter of Matthew. It's a very familiar passage. Y'all gonna have to make some noise up in here because the only place that should be this quiet is a cemetery, okay? <laughs> so if you're alive, you know, you, you, need to let, you need to let the redeemed of the Lord say so, okay? So y'all talk to me like you do at your games and your game shows when somebody hits the million dollar mark. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, she would the million. Oh, come see, come see. You know. Matthew 6. Amen? Amen. Um, it says this, in, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you shall eat, what you should drink, or about your body, what you should, will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. They don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, look at somebody and say worrying. worrying, okay, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you, there's that word again, and why do you worry about clothes? Look at the villains of the field, they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that Solomon in all of his glory and splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not so much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Here's this word again. So do not worry, saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? But that's what the heathens and the pagans do. They run after all these things. And your heavenly father, he already knows that you need them. But here's your solution, people. But if you seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things that you're worried about, they will be
be given unto you as well. Therefore, here's this word again, do not about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Amen. My message for today is uh, not necessarily a scriptural phrase, but I want to I want to preach from the topic life pass. Okay, life pass. And so where did that come from, Sister Terry? Where where did you get life pass from? Well, I was in a state of worry. Uh, there were some things that were pending, and and have you ever noticed like? You know, when one thing goes wrong, it sets off a chain reaction of this and that and the other. Well, this was like a domino. One thing had happened, and then the next thing happened, and the next thing happened, and then, you know, by the time it goes around, you know, you got a headache, you're feeling bad, you know, the people around you are sick, you know, your finances is crazy, kids are calling crazy. And it was just one of those situations, you know, I went to bed with my teeth clenched in my mouth, okay? and trying to get ready for that next morning for what I knew was coming next day, okay? I'm like, Lord, whew, man, how am I gonna get? So it was one of those nights of tossing and turning, you know, and how is this gonna turn? What's gonna happen? And oh God, you know, have mercy, you know, you're speaking in tongues, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, you just don't know what to do. And that's how I went to sleep that night. So I'm sleeping away and and in a dream, I woke up, okay? I'm still asleep. I'm not aware I'm asleep, but in this dream, I woke up. And, and I woke up thinking about, you know, anxious, you know, when you get those butterflies in your stomach and you know, your breath is short because you know, okay, I'm looking at the clock, you know, oh, oh my God, you know, when is this call gonna come and what's gonna happen and you know, uh, and you know, and, and I, I go to this gate in the dream, and there's an angel standing by the gate. And uh, I said to the angel, you know, good morning or whatever, you know, I gotta get, cause this is going on and I have to be here and I, this phone call and these people and they're gonna take this from us and they're gonna take this. And, and, uh, and I think that's the time when we were going through this refinance with our house, we almost lost our house and just a lot of crazy stuff. And it was all happening at the same time. And I was telling this angel, I said, I've got to get, you know, through because, you know. So the angel said, okay. He says, well, where's your life pass? And, uh, and I, I said, life pass? What are you talking about? He said, you have to have a pass to enter into this day. You have to have a life pass. And uh, so I began to dig around in my pockets in this dream, you know. And I said, well, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't have, he says, oh, no, you can't start the day. And I cannot wake you up into this day without a life pass. And I'm like, what's a life pass? He says, well, all this stuff that you're worried about? He said, the only real matter thing that matter is if you wake up or not. Because if you don't wake up and enter to this day, all this stuff you're worried about, it means nothing. The only thing that means anything is if you're alive. He says, and you are so caught up in the things of the day that you are overlooking the fact of the most important thing, your life, that you are alive. You're just alive. And, and what, what happens is we get so caught up in the events of life that we lose sight of 
We're alive. I'm alive. And where there's life, there's... Where there's life... See, if you're just... If God gives you life, if he lets you live another day, you've already won. Don't you get it? You've already won. If you step out of your bed and your legs work, you've already won. If you, if, you know, Charles and I had this joke now, Pastor Chuck, now that we get a little older. Some morning, some morning we'll roll over, I said, Charles will look at me, he'll say, do you know who I am? <laughs> and I said, yes, you're Charles. And he says, do you know who you are? <laughs> so I'm there, he said, Okay, let's go. We got it made. <laughs> and so what I'm saying, you know, there are so many things between you, your life, and the events that you are so concerned about. If you wake up and you know who you are, okay? After you've been, you know, out hanging out, you ate this and drank that and with this person, the fact that you wake up and know who you are, that your legs work, you know, that you see, and I mean, I'm telling you, I just had a birthday, and I'm telling you, my vision just went down a notch, okay? So I'm praying for a miracle that is going to come back up a little bit. But the point is, there is so much, and the younger you are, the less value you put on your life. I'm telling you, that's why they send people your age to Iraq and to Afghanistan. That's why, because I'm not gonna die, I'm young. Bullets can't hurt me, dun, dun, dun. Because that's the mindset. And as you grow older and you start having families, have children say, I better not drive on that freeway, I could get hurt. <laughs> you, begin to, you know, when you begin to see things a little differently, okay, a little differently. And praise God for every phase and every cycle. But the point is that I'm saying is that you get caught up in so much stuff. You're just mad at your sister. You're mad at your brother. And then if somebody calls up and tells you that they died, you're like, oh, my sister. Oh, I love my sister. Why didn't you tell her that while she was alive? That's right. You see? Because you don't value life itself. You're so caught up in the events and the situations and who shot John and who lent you money and didn't pay you back and I hate my brother-in-law. You know, why did she marry that jerk? And you know, and on and on and on. And then if something happens to him, you're the one in the mortuary. Oh, oh, I love you so much, mama, mama, come back. But why didn't you treat mama right when she was alive? Life, is anybody getting this? It's life. Just thank God for life. Now watch this, watch this. Let's go back over this. Let's, let's chew on this a little bit. It says, therefore, verse 25. Young people, listen to me very good. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now that word life, there's, there's about three or four Greek words for life. One is bios life, and where we get biology, that has to do with the function of our organs and our physical makeup, life, the fact that we're moving around, activating bios life. 
Then there is suke life. That's what this is, suke life. This is soul life. This has to do with our need for food, clothing, where we're gonna live, keeping up with the Joneses, okay? This is soulish life, okay? And that, that's why in this particular, he says, why are you so worried about your life? What he's really saying is, why are you so worried about your lifestyle? That's what it really means. That's this, this life, this suke life. And that's why he goes on to say, why are you worried about your body? You know, are my boobs big enough, okay? Am I overweight, you know? Do I have white, bright teeth, okay? Uh, he says, why are you worrying about how you look, okay? As if that's the thing that, you, that, 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 that drives you. Okay, that how I look in the mirror. Oh, I look so horrible today, I can't go to work. I don't want anybody to see my face. You know, I mean, wh why are you letting your body drive you? And worry about what you're gonna wear. Do you know, do you know one of the biggest thing, challenges in real estate, real estate, anybody in real estate, anybody sell real estate in here? Anybody? Okay, yeah. okay. One of the things people want, and the reason why people don't like older houses, and you tell me, it's because of closet space. Is that true? Okay, they wanna know how much closet space. Now, if you go into some of the, because I'm from the East Coast, I'm from Philadelphia, and they have these beautiful, beautiful mansions, all the wood carving, you know, the staircase, the mahogany, you know, the, the stone, this and the, you know, and these small closets, you know. And soon as people look at those houses, they say, oh no, I've got to rent. So why would people in, in the past have so much money, have beautiful homes and small closets, okay? Because back then, you had clothes to, for your work, about three outfits for, for your job during the week, and your Sunday clothes. Anybody old enough to remember that? Huh? Okay, just a few hands, okay? You didn't have all array of pink, blues, yellow t-shirts, <laughs> jeans, stained, raggedy, you know, tailored, uh, 20 pair of Nikes, the Jordan specials, the this one, the that one, the that. All the alligators, what other kind of shoes? Leather, Italian, you know, brown, black, dark blue, dark green. You had a black pair of shoes and a brown pair of shoes. In the summer, you had a white pair of shoes if you were a lady. Three pair of shoes. But you had money in the bank. People now, they don't even save. They don't even have a savings account. They have like credit cards where they owe everybody. So the thing is, so because of our mentality has changed, now we need all this closet space where, you know, they've talked us into buying a lot of stuff that we don't need. And the Bible is taking you back to this and saying, why are you worried about clothes? You got stuff that you don't even... Remember you had. You can't go to a banquet or party. Oh, I don't have anything to wear. Look in your closet. I guarantee you, if you look, dig deep enough, you will find everything you need. Now, you may not be able to fit it anymore, but it's there. He says, why are you worried about suke life? He says, why are you worried about how you look what you're gonna wear, what you're gonna eat. He says, is not the body more important than? Anybody reading with me? 
this is God giving us a commentary on what's going on right now. More than designer clothes. And we compare each other. Oh, what kind of bag, kind of bag does she have? What, what's the initials on it? Okay, is it Michael Kors? Is it Gucci? Is it Louis Vuitton? You know, what? what? God says, what are you doing? Why is that your goal and your focus and your purpose? You need to come back to what is important. Not the suke life, but there's another life I want to talk about. It's called the Zoe life. In John 4, he says, I came that they might have not suke, not stuff, because a part of the problem is that the gospel that was being preached during the, during the 90s and early, you know, that it was all about God giving us a new car, a new house, God giving us stuff. Okay, it, I'm sorry, it was a lot of corruption in that kind of thinking. Because he says, what, why are you so, why do you think, that? why is your life centered on what am I going to get? How well my business, how much money am I going to make? Am I going to make more money than my brother-in-law who's always talking about how I'm nothing? <laughs> am I going to drive a better car than my friend Jimmy, you know, who just got that new Camaro, you know, with all the special kit on it, you know, and everything, you know, and the wheels? He says, isn't your body designed to do more than that? He says, I came that you might have Zoe life. Now, Zoe life, bios life is the body, that's your physical. Suke life is your, 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 your emotional, mental, natural life. The things that you are drawn through, through your senses, you go in the mirror, oh, I gotta have it. I gotta have, you seen that commercial where the guy's still on the couch? He says, oh, I just saw that, I gotta have it. You know, and he's gonna steal this lady's couch out the living room, okay. But, but that's suke life, but there's another life, Zoe life. He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about Zoe. And that is spiritual life. Right. See, let me, spiritual life is when your, your, the purpose of your life is directly connected to what God has put you in the earth for. When you discover your purpose, and you're walking in it, and God just orchestrates everything through this Zoe life relationship, where you see beyond all the trappings of this world. Let me tell you something. Suke life is what causes people to take Prozac and all other kind of antidepressants. That's suke life. Because what it does, it always dangles something in front of you that you think you need, that you don't have, and, and, and it plays a game with the mind. So, the, so you, if I just find the person to love, I'll be happy, chasing happiness, okay? So you find the person you love, I'm so happy, here's, here's yourself emotionally, and this is your happy self. I didn't know he had a drinking problem. <laughs> now you're sad. Well, if I just had a better job, I just hate my job. I just need a promotion. Give you a promotion, more money. I'm so happy. My boss is gay and he hates straight people. I'm so <laughs> sad, you know. And then you go back and forth. And the thing is that every time you do that, let me, let me just care my husband for a second. Every time you do this, 
you drag somebody with you. Charles, I'm so happy. They just took my book and whatnot. He said, oh, great, let's go celebrate. (laughs) Charles, I'm so sad because they didn't do what they said they were gonna do. And he's like, oh, God. I'm so happy. So you start dragging people with you. No, it's no longer just you. You understand what I mean? That's going through all these mental challenges because every time you trip, Everybody around you has to trip. The people that you're working with start tripping because you come to job tripping. I hate everybody. You Nobody's doing your job. And if you don't watch it, you're all going to get fired. Well, what did I do? You're tripping. Okay? You're tripping because there's something in this sukui life that you want that's not happening the way you think it should happen, you know, and it's got you frustrated. So instead of being blessed, you're stressed. See? Zoe life, you're going to see the blessing in everything. Suke life, you can't be blessed more than five minutes because after five minutes, you know what I mean, you off to the race. You saw something else on TV. You got the car of your dreams. Next year is out of style. And here you go again on the racetrack. But the Zoe life will really keep you from losing your mind. Do you get what I'm saying? Because Zoe life is not focused on stuff, on what we're gonna wear, you know, how it's focused on, man, you know, and I mean, my husband's here, he'll tell you. Sometimes I look at him and say, I say, you know, I'm really a blessed woman. Don't I? I got the best husband. I said, I know you have my back. I said, I just, sometimes I just need to stop and tell him I appreciate you. I'm, I'm just serious. I, if, if God took him tomorrow, I would be in so much trouble because I don't even know where the electric bill, I don't wouldn't know. I, would, I don't know who owns our mortgage. I don't know nothing. And I try to get him to tell me, and he tells me, but then he says when he starts explaining to me, he sees a drifting in my mind, okay? He says, she's not here, okay? She's shaking her head, but she's not here. You know, so he just stops talking. I say, why'd you stop talking, you know? I'm trying to tell you, you know, that I said, well, I don't need all those details. I just need to know, you know, and he's like, okay, you know. But I appreciate him. When you have somebody in your life, okay, that's kind to you, do you know that kindness is like so underrated and kindness is like the best thing that could ever happen to you, that somebody would be kind? That they would treat you with respect and dignity? That doesn't come from suke life, that's Zoe life. That comes from the heart of God. And the Lord says, why are you worried about stuff? If you seek ye first the kingdom and his rightness. Well, let me tell you something. His rightness. Let me tell you something. Church. I'm really frustrated by religious people who are not righteous. They're just religious. I'm sorry to say. I've seen whole deacon boards, trustee boards of religious people who are not righteous. They will not do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Okay? They, they come in here on Sunday and beat their wife on Monday. I'm serious. And it's okay. 
It's not, no, well, let me, when I say it's okay, it's okay to grow out of who you used to be and grow into who God has called you to be. Okay? Somebody comes, if they got a drinking problem, hey, I get it. Okay? That's why you come to church, because you're trying to grow out of that and grow into something different. But when you invite the, the congregation to come over your house and get drunk with you, you know what I'm saying? Now what you're trying to do is live somewhere between the Zoe and the Suke. You want to hold on to the world, okay? And try to claim that you're holding on to God too. And I'm telling you, God says, I would rather that you be hot, on fire for me, or completely don't care, but I don't like, he says that I don't like lukewarm people. He said, those are the ones that I spit out of my mouth. Those who claim that they love me. You know, those who just, you know, have this praise God, hallelujah, amen. And talking about people backstabbing the first one to go against the pastor and, you know, instead of being compassionate, instead of being kind. It's so important. Kindness is so important. It is a gift from God. I think I lost my place. Let me, okay. Verse 25, thank you. It says, all of the things that you desire, see may I have a Kleenex? I'll take one. Will be added unto you if you seek ye the kingdom and his righteousness. Your goal should be to see the kingdom of God, what it's like, what you know it to be, on earth as it is in heaven. Anything that is a kingdom builder, okay, that brings the likeness and the community and what you know about God and what the word says, to bring that into your daily existence. And so many of us are caught up in the, polit- the well, you know, the, the law says that you can't beat your wife. You can't be, I mean, you can't spank your children, why not? Hey, I'm doing the book, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to just deal with the consequences, okay, of what, because more and more, the world system is encroaching on the church And the church, and by the church, I don't mean buildings, I'm talking about believers in the church. They're encroaching on that so that we are modifying our lifestyle to accommodate the world, okay? Oh, I know that I'm probably. And then if you refuse to modify your language, your lifestyle, I'm talking about simple stuff like praying in a restaurant. Yeah? yeah? My husband, you know, Father, thank you for the food. <laughs> and then somebody else will come in, oh, bleep de bleep de bleep, you know, cussing and, you know, like right. in social conversation, they ain't mad at nobody, they just cussing. Right. Oh, that's okay. You see how they're encroaching on us and making us look peculiar and us looking like good, calling good evil and evil good. You know, what's happening in the political system, in the entertainment system, in all public system, we see this growing corruption. And it makes us look like y'all are weird. 
He said, yeah, you are peculiar people. That's what we're called to be, a peculiar people. So I'm praying that as you chase after Zoe life, I just want to do the word. If I'm doing something wrong and somebody says, you know what, Miss Marianne, you did such and such and such, and I don't appreciate it. Do you know what Zoe Life says? I'm putting Marianne down here, and I'm just going to apologize, right or wrong. Doesn't make any difference. I just want peace. Okay? And that's, that's you know, but see, Paul said over in Philippians 4, 11, he says, I, I'm trying to learn whatever my circumstances happens to be, that I would be content to learn how to have, to learn how to have not, to learn how to be full. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. that that's an important scripture, okay? Philippians 4, 4, starting in verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances. I know that what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. It's a secret, folks of being content in any and every situation, whether to be fed or hungry, whether to be living in plenty or one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning, I'm practicing, and the people you live with are the people that you should practice with the most. On tomorrow, my, um, my uh, daughter, is having a surgery, and it's uh, it's you know it's challenging, you know, and uh, it's challenging. I feel challenged, but <laughs> I was looking through some notes that I made, Pastor Chuck, a long time ago, and I opened up and I flipped open a note, and it said, "Train yourself to trust. Amen. Train yourself." to trust. So that when things happen, you know, and you're not sure what the outcome is going to be, Paul says, I've learned to be content. You have to train yourself to trust. Because see, that's that, that worry thing, that worry thing. Let me tell you something. The word worry, it comes from um, a Greek word, it's this Greek word, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you just so you can, you can have this, this is, this is a good one. Um, and it sounds like it's mira, merimnate, M-E-R-I-M-N-A-T-E, merimnate. It means to be anxious and distracted, merimnate. Doesn't that sound like marinate? <laughs> when you soak something in it and it stays in it so long that whatever it's marinating and gets in it. Well, when we get a problem in our head or worry in our head and it gets, we marinate in it, that's all we think about, then you, I mean, you can't shake it all. That, that, that anxiety, it's in you. So this word worry, marinate, meaning to allow whatever circumstance you're in to overtake you to the point where you start feeling anxious, your blood pressure goes up, your sugar, you know what I'm saying, your back starts aching, you know, your stomach's upset, because you're marinating in it, okay? You're just, you're just soaking it up, you know, you're just soaking it up. But, but let, me, let me tell you the, the another origin of this word. It, worry. The old English version is 
Warim, war, warim. okay, Warim, okay? I'm gonna say that right. I'm gonna say it right, hold on, I'll give you the spelling because you want this, this is good. Um, if I can find the spelling. Yeah, W-Y-R-G-A-N, Wargain, okay? The English word. Now, that, now listen, that word means to strangle, to seize by the throat, to shake and to tear. What does that have to do with worry, okay? Well, this is the deal. When, when the shepherds would have their flocks out in the field, every once in a while, a wolf would come out of the woods. And when the wolf came out of the woods, he would grab, if the shepherd wasn't around, he would grab a sheep by the throat and strangle it until it couldn't breathe. And then it would drag it off into the woods. And all the other sheep would say, whoa, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, suppose this dude comes back. What are we gonna do? So, so the idea of worry is that every time the little branches would shake, I can't breathe. What happens when you have an anxiety attack? You can't breathe, okay? It's like. And so the, the, the poor little sheep, every time they'd hear a little rustling in the bush, you know, mentally, they would have a mental picture, watch this, of a wolf coming out, grabbing them by the throat. So the shepherd, what the shepherds would do, he would play his flute in the night to distract them from the sounds in the woods and have them focus on that so that they would not worry. What does praise and worship do? It distracts us from the sounds of the world that bring anxiety to our mind and have us turn, okay, away from that. Otherwise, if we're not distracted, if God doesn't do something, and that's with worship and praise and prayer, if he doesn't do something, then all we can see ourselves is, here he comes, here's And I mean, we have created whole movies of what's gonna happen to us. Oh my God, you know, if the police find out that I'm the one who, you know, did this, that, and the other, you know, I mean, you know, they're gonna blame me, they're gonna think I killed Jimmy, you know, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just saying how we can take stuff to extremes in our mind that hasn't even happened. And then God says, worship me. Worship me. Take your mind off of that. They used to have an old praise song. It says, so forget about yourself and concentrate on me and worship me. Worship me, Christ the Lord. So that's the whole nature of worry. Okay? It's there to distract you from Zoe life. What is Zoe life? The purpose that God has for you. The, the way that he wants you to live in relationship to the people that are around you, your family, the way you treat the person that you're dating, okay, with respect, with honor, the way God would have you do it. The way you treat your ex-wife, ex-husband, I'm serious. If that's the mother of your children, Okay, or well, you had a relationship. You know, you want, you want God to come in and give you a kind heart for those who wounded you and hurt you because that's the only way they're gonna see God. And you say, well, that, that, you don't know that drunk. He ain't gonna see nothing. <laughs> well, I tell you, when my mom died, and I'm closing, when my mom died, my father and I ended up living together. 
he was so bitter about my mother's death. I mean, he was just totally bitter. And he would take his bitterness out on me. Oh, man. I would go out and preach, and I would come back to the house and says, Oh, you're out there preaching that crap to those people, huh? That's what he would say. If he wanted something to drink, he would say, Water. I said, Dad, what are you talking about? Water, give me some water. You, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he was just mean, just mean. And God told me this about my dad when I had to live in the house with him. He says, you can measure your spiritual condition by your ability to handle his meanness. If you react with meanness, you're far from me. You're in that suitcase life. But if he can be mean to you and you can be kind to him, he said, that's, that's how you measure really where you are spiritually. And so as I began to grow spiritually, and it was my dad's meanness that grew me. We think it's good stuff that grows us. It's not. It's with the challenges that grow us. That's where we really find the peace of God, when things are terrible. But yet, I know my daughter's having surgery tomorrow, but I'm training myself to trust. 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 My dad was so mean. And the meaner he was, the closer I would get to the Lord. And he would say mean things about what he wanted, and I would just wait on him because he was sick. And one morning, five years later of meanness, pure disrespect, cursing, profanity, any mean thing that he could think to do, he had to go. He had a kidney failure. And I, I had to take him for, uh, to get his shunt that they did the dialysis through, replaced. So it was 6 o'clock in the morning, I called the emergency, you know, the van that they take him in, and they took him in the van, took him to the hospital, and I'm rolling him down the hospital at 6.30 in the morning. It's cold, you know. We go to the hospital, we go down to the x-ray department where they're going to fix this. So he's laying on the table in the x-ray department, and I'm sitting out in the hall, but I can see him, okay? All of a sudden, he began to weep just crying really hard. And I came out and said, Dad, what's the matter? Are you in pain? What's going on? He said, I am so sorry for the way I treated you. He said, you have been nothing but good to me, and I have treated you so bad, and I'm sorry. And at that moment, we hugged. And I knew that God had given me the victory over my own need to get even and to be as mean as he was. And from that day to the day he died, there was nothing but kindness and love between me and my dad. Because I chose Zoe life. So I want you to know, don't get caught up. Don't let your emotions control you. Do what the word says. The Bible says, if you seek ye first that kingdom, in every situation, 
that you will fulfill the purpose of God? Because he has a purpose for you down here. He has a ministry. Ministry has nothing to do with playing guitars or singing or, you know, it has to do with what are you doing in your neighborhood? What are you doing in your family? What are you doing with your children, your children's children? That's where ministry begins, and God has called us all to that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just praise you and bless your name. I just thank you, Lord, for Zoe life. And most of all, Lord, as I think back about that life path, I'm even more grateful that my name is written in the book of life. That's my real life path into eternity. There may be someone here, and you have just been so caught up in lifestyle the challenges that you face. And challenges are part of life. That's the soil that we grow in. That's the thing that drives us into God's arms. That's the thing that gives us that appetite and that hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit, for the direction of his word. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your Zoe healing would come through this sanctuary, healing in relationships, healing of broken hearts, Father, healing of frustrated minds. And as you heal, Father, as you touch, I pray, Father, that you're going to regulate bodies. I see pain leaving right now because you are releasing tension and stress and anxiety and fear, Father. Rabba Satahim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Migraines. God says, I'm, my heal I'm the healer. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, for he forgives all of your iniquities and he heals my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like an eagle. Father, I thank you right now, Father, for restoration and relationships, Father, for healing, Father, for renewal. Father, thank you for redirection, Father. What am I going, where am I going? What, what am I doing? Where is life taking me? God, right now, I thank you that you're giving clear direction. Yeah, Lord, thank you, Father that you're showing your children, your people, Father, the way that you would have them go. Thank you for your release. There's someone right here, you just, you just overwhelmed with anxiety, with fear, with depression, because the enemy has caused you to look at those trees rumbling in the woods and you think something's coming after you. And God says, I want to deliver you this morning from anxiety, from fear, depression. If that's you, I want you to come up here because I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you that there would be a release in your life from anxiety, from fear. Oh, you're all okay? Give me a man down in there. Everybody's okay? Nobody's been feeling, struggling with anxiety. No one's been struggling with fear. What's gonna happen? 
trees are shaking. You just think that wolf is going to come and just eat you alive. Eat your children. He's eating at your finances. He's eating at your family. No, just, just a little box in there. You don't? Oh, because I put them up there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Talk to him right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants a tissue. Father, I just thank you. For your healing, Father, touch. I thank you, Lord, that you're regulating, that you're restoring, that you're renewing, Father. I thank you, Lord. You said that you renew our youth like an eagle, Father. You said that you are our healer, that you are a great deliverer. Father, I thank you for doing what doctors cannot do. God, we got people worried about medical insurance, Father. But, Lord, you can, <laughs> you can go past all of that and touch right now bodies. So I thank you for your healing in this room. I thank you for healing my brother, Lord. I thank you for giving my sister peace in her mind. I thank you, Lord, that in spite of difficult circumstances, Father, you said I'm greater than any circumstance that you can face, any circumstances. I am the overcomer, and you're more than a conqueror, but you have to train yourself to trust. Train yourself to trust. Every time that worry tries to show his face, you worship God. You say his word. You say his word over every situation. You say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when the enemies came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell, and the wholesome camp against me, my heart shall not fear. One thing have I desired, and that will I see. Hallelujah. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord, inquire into his, behold the beauty of his face, and inquire in his temple. So I thank you, Lord, that you're taking away worry and anxiety, because you hold tomorrow. And I thank you for the life pass that you've given this sister today, Father. She has life today. And you know that the devil would have taken her life if he could have. But you're here, honey. You're here. You're alive anyway. So you celebrate your life. God says, I've got you. I've got you. Train yourself to trust me. God says, I've got you. I've got you. Father, I just thank you right now for life, Father. For peace, Father. That you're delivering from anxiety and sickness, Father. That you're regulating her body and her mind, Father. In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of depression, Father, and oppression, Father. And things that have held you captive, we say that the curse over you is broken and the blessings are flowing right now. In the name of Jesus, 
We reverse the curse and release the blessings over your life in the name of Jesus. We say that everything that isn't done against you, God says, I will reverse it and you will be blessed. I, I've got you. Just train yourself to trust me. I've got this. I've given you another life pass. And it's because I have a purpose for you. You stand strong. You stand strong. God says, I've got you. I've got you. No matter what it looks like, I'm greater. I'm greater than any circumstances because the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom shall you be afraid of? No matter what the doctors say. No matter what your circumstances say, God says, I'm greater. If you seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness, everything you need is going to be added to you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for reversing the curse and releasing the blessings. It's against these. Thank you for reversing the curse, Lord, and releasing your blessings. Thank you, Lord, that you have reversed the curse over them and you're releasing the blessings. Thank you, Lord, that you will reverse every curse, Father, and release your blessings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you reverse the curse, Father, and release the blessings. Now we pray for this church, Father, for this pastor, for this ministry, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, as you dig deeper into the root of this ministry, Father, that it may spring up and bear more fruit. Give the pastor strength, Father. Give him, encourage his heart, Father, and let him know that his latter shall be greater than his former, Father. Add to the church from the north, south, east, and west. Give this church everything it needs to thrive, Father, and to multiply and to bless your name. And we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. Let's give him a clap, Austin.